getting into the 2023 Honda Classic. Got the preview, touching on the top stat fits, best in course history, best in recent form, and overall top plays in each price point tier, highlighting the core plays, and also giving you guys a first look build. Let's get into it. All right, so getting into the Honda Classic here. This is a tournament that I'm pretty excited for. I love events like this in which we kind of have to earn it. Now, I was looking at the price, and the pricing is kind of soft. So it's not going to be that difficult to make a good lineup. Uh, so it won't be as unique as you know some of those lower caliber field events. No, it should be pretty easy to make a solid build. Uh, we kind of know what to be looking at uh, this tournament. So just going off of that, we know which key stats we should be looking at. So this tournament is a tournament that does play as a hard scoring event uh, each each week or each year. We can see the average winning score is also one that is typically a harder scoring one. Like uh, the average winning score is going to be nine under par. The average cut is around 2.6 over par. So a very hard scoring track. And honestly, it's just not the most like fun course either. Uh, so I get why a lot of the top name players kind of choose not to play it. It is a shorter track par 70, but it's going to be a tournament in which we have a lot of water hazards in play as well so that's going to be a data point to look at when we're going through the specialist tab now key stat wise it's kind of a simple approach and what i mean by that is we have seen some really good success up until last year where seb straka won and he was in a bad play as well uh we had hit four straight winners at this tournament uh so matt jones Sun James, Keith Mitchell, and JT there. And so that's because we know which data to go off of, okay? It's going to be toll driving. It's going to be ball striking. Like, those are going to be two data points that we are really going in on. Uh, we also are going to be looking at birdie to bogey ratio, but also bogey avoidance. We're kind of pairing those two together. Yes, we want to be focused on players that are going to score enough birdies to kind of make up for the bogeys that they're going to make because players are going to make bogeys. But that's why we're also focusing on bogey avoidance uh, this week as well. That's kind of what this is telling us when we see birdie or better not be as significant. Obviously, players need to make some birdies to do well. That's why it's always one of those key stats in terms of making a cut. Um, looking at it, greens and regulation and strokes and approach, like we can see like just peppering greens is going to be key. Like players need to be hitting greens. So we are going to be looking at greens and regulation and strokes and approach as well. Um, and we kind of just get a good sense of which data points we need to go in on. I, I was a little bit shocked that on average strokes gain off the tee is kind of a good stat to look at in terms of winning upside. Other than that, not a big key stat, which is kind of crazy as well. So let's go ahead and look at kind of the top stat fits based off of those data points. So the biggest issue we're going to have this week is that with it being a lower caliber kind of field, we are going to have some players coming in that don't have the full sample size that we would want, like Min Woo Lee, like Adrian here. This is a, um, you know, DP tour stats that we're getting in here. Okay. So that's kind of why they're probably popping up. Uh, so if we just want to focus on like the PGA players, sure. Like Sun JM, Chris Kirk, Aaron Wise. And that's why Chris Kirk is going to be a high price play this week. Aaron Wise, Will Gordon, JT Poston, Johnny V, Alex Norm, Billy Horschel. Billy Horschel has some, you know, course ties to this area. Uh, Aaron Rye, S.H. Kim, Matt Kuchar. Okay, so we do have some like pretty solid plays. Let's go ahead and take a peek at course history. So looking at course history, typically I like to focus on those golfers that have had at least three starts at this, or at least two starts at this tournament when going through this segment. But having any sort of course history is always a bonus over not. Um, so we can see like Harris English didn't play it the last two years, but finished 17th and 12th the previous two years before that. Kind of think why he would do well. He is typically a good ball striker and toll driver. Okay, that makes sense. He's not a golfer that typically is shooting himself out of tournaments as well. Uh, Shane Lowry, a, a hardcore specialist pretty much, or a hard scoring uh, course specialist. So it's no surprise that he has played well. Mark Hubbard, okay, this is one of my fond memories of going to this event was 
watching a value play Mark Hubbard and three years ago before COVID go off. And this was, uh, if any of you guys follow fantasy golf at all, um, there was the DFS open, which a lot of the big names, not even the big names, a lot of people just in the fantasy golf industry came together and played in a charity golf tournament. It was a lot of fun, but I just remember being on 18, watching Mark Hubbard uh, was kind of a value play that week for me. Um, awesome to see that he has good course history, 15th, 46th, 11th. Uh, Billy Horschel, 16th, 42nd, and 16th. The interesting thing with Billy Horschel this week is that I don't know if we can play him. Like He is trying to change his swing, and it's one of those situations in which why do golfers, especially like Billy Horschel, who was coming in off of a really solid season last year, like super consistent, why is he changing his swing? Like What benefit is he going to get from that? He's not getting any. And we saw Ricky go through that struggle for a long time before he got rid of his swing coat. Like, it's just strange range that he's choosing to do that we got johnny v four straight make cuts at this tournament he's going to be someone that we're going to be looking at going to be tough not to like him ryan palmer we can see barely made the cut last year but 17th fourth uh cam davis three straight make cuts at this tournament we go a little bit further we can see sunjay and miscut at this event last year he is someone that does have just random miscuts is what it seems like other than that though eighth first 51st so pretty good stuff there sub straka first 33rd 27th and his kind of profile last year was an interesting one because obviously he did have somewhat decent starts here um had had decent ish recent form coming into it like was just a solid ish play like not an ideal play and that's kind of the theme we look at matt jones hit him as an outright winner what was it three years ago two years ago um 70 to one and he was kind of the exact same play where he was a good enough play kind of given the odds you wanted to make the bats uh because you could tell based off the players around him wasn't an ideal play but based off of the players around him like someone you you would say that was a good value-based bet and play that week in DFS. That's kind of the theme we're going to have this week. Okay, so let's go ahead and look at recent form. And so a lot of the times in events like this, we have to default to recent form rank. And so we can see two of the DP Tour studs are the players that are coming in with the best recent form. Now, whether you want to include the DP Tour starts, that's up to you. I have decided to include those, especially this season, in which DP Tour players are definitely playing for more of a PGA Tour card now right? Uh, and Thomas Dietrich has been someone we've been in on a lot. You guys know it. He's been playing some extremely good golf. And so given the caliber of the field that we have, like if he's finishing, let's say top 40, the last three weeks in this field, should be able to finish at least like top 25. Uh, Adrian as well. He is someone that went off in round two to make the cut. And if you guys followed yesterday or last week's coverage, you heard us mention him and Sam Ryder as like the top two values. Those are the only two values I ended up on in the nine to five player pool. So if you had done a studs and duds approach, you had a really strong week. And I think a lot of people did have a strong week and really a strong season thus far. Um, you know, content wise, I would say as well. Also, Tyler Duncan, for what it's worth, I was like, man, he should not be min price, right? Like 6K for Tyler Duncan was just strange. I'm like, he should at least be above these 6.4 price players. I'm wondering if anyone ended up on him. He ended up making the cut and ended up finishing top 40. I'm curious if anyone ended up on him as well. But looking at recent form, then we get into Sun Jam. Matt Kuchar has been playing some much better golf. Joseph Bremlett popping up there. That's surprising. Alex Noren. I don't know if we can go in on him, guys. Very frustrating. He has really hindered. Some GPP winning lineups, some potential GPP winning lineups the last two weeks. Oh, that was frustrating. That was frustrating. Last weekend, two weeks ago, miscut on the number bogeyed 18, which ruined a lineup that really could have been in contention to win two weeks ago. Mm. Ben Griffin, Aaron Baddeley. You guys know we've been on Aaron Baddeley. Stefan Neger as well. He's someone that's been playing much better recently. Uh, we can see Denny McCarthy, a little bit of mixed results, but when we have gotten that upside, it's been very solid. Eric Cole, a very strong price point play, I think, this week. So we have a lot of decent plays. And then lastly, let's go ahead 
and get into the specialist tab. So this is going to be a tab in which it's really what do you want to go in on, right? We have all the data that you'd want and, and more, way too much, okay? What I find interesting is we can look at stuff like the water hazards like this is event that's going to be a lot of water hazards in place so let's go ahead and look at that and last year i remember i posted this data point and a lot of people didn't like it and ended up actually being pretty predictive in terms of like how players played well so what i have set for many is um courses in which are over uh, 11 water hazards or more that is many and so that's what's going into this many water hazards in play and so these are the top players i'm not sure how many starts are going into eric barnes or austin akrak probably not that many maybe for austin he's been on the tour a decent amount and same thing here so like if you see some names that you're just not familiar with assume that there's not a big sample size going into that i'm not doing any sort of sa small sample size adjustments in this right now but we can see sun jm makes sense aaron wise shane lowry like that makes sense thomas dietrich just keeps popping up i like him lee hodges okay taylor pendrith danny mccarthy jt post and like no real shocks here right but it's just an interesting data point to go off of um and then i also want to look at scoring which players tend to play well on these harder scoring tracks? And we could like put it together as well if we want to, to see like who ranks out the best. That's up to you. But we can see Shane Lowry, no shock there. Like I said, I didn't even have to look at this. We knew that Shane Lowry is just a hard scoring core specialist. He just is. Then we got Alex Norm popping up there. Probably why he's one of the higher priced players. Taylor Pendrith, Thomas Dietry, Harris English. I'm curious about Andrew here. I'm going to have to look him up. Why he's being pulled in. Uh, Bazoon Hop, Bill Haas, Sanjay M. So we can see actually Sanjay M. Maybe that's not a good sign. They ranks out ninth. You know, we'll see there. And I don't know, maybe location as well. We could maybe sort by location. Florida, obviously. Just interesting there. And then let's just look at course length because it is a shorter track. Dietrich, Kucher, obviously Kucher, uh, definitely a short course specialist. Aaron Baddeley as well. No shot. Uh, Danny McCarthy, you know, Chris Kirk, no shock with those guys. Okay. They're not longer hitters. They have to take advantage of events like this. So it makes sense. And someone like Mark Hubbard, I'm curious as to where he is. Like, that's why he plays well. I would assume here, uh, we see Peter Malnati popping up there. I think he's going to be a name I end up on. So a lot of interesting stuff. Let's go ahead and get into the top high tier price point plays. So quite clearly, Sunjay M is going to be the pay up play this week. Sunjay M has went miscut at this tournament, which is going to be a worry, but then eighth, first, 51st, like just good starts at this tournament. Uh, if you look at last week, we can see definitely fell off and that's not that's not encouraging. 74, 73, that is not encouraging after, you know, being in contention. And that's after two weeks in which T6, T4, and T18. So obviously in great recent form ranks out third best in recent form rank, second best staff in the field, guys, which is obviously great. First in effective scoring, which is that nine to five stat, which basically measures both upside and ability to make the cut. And for what it's worth, I'm looking at this right now, zero players with a 90% chance to make the cut this week. Last week, we had five. They all made the cut. Very interesting there. Sun Jam is at 89% interesting there um yeah just across the board going to be a strong staff it best specialist in the field um uh, really just coming in as a very strong price point play if it wasn't for that miscut last year i think we'd be loading up on him but you know just typically a player that's going to make the cut um typically not someone that's shooting himself out of tournaments uh definitely the pay up play and i would say this is a very soft price point for a guy that's kind of the clear-cut obvious pay up play kind of like john rom last week where it's just like what is going on with the price in, in terms of the kind of I, I don't want to say like obvious pay up plays but like john rom should have been 12k last week we kind of mentioned this a few times now sanjay m should probably be at least 11k in terms of roster construction this is kind of where i'm saying like it is kind of relatively easy to make a strong build i would say for this tournament and that's probably why they priced it this way to make it more fun for everyone to play looking at shane lowry he's coming in as the second best pick in the 95 model i uh, should mention sanjay m was first in the 95 model uh shane lowry 
2nd, 36th, 21st for this course. Really strong stuff. They're coming in as the 12th best specialist. Now, if we look at his recent form, his recent form is not solid. That is where he is getting knocked. Okay, Waste Management Phoenix Open, terrible. Um, we look at some starts on the DP Tour, not the best, okay? And sometimes that just happens, and that's kind of why it's it's tough to really gauge how you should measure DP Tour starts and PGA Tour starts. I'm perfectly fine kind of using them as like an even data point. It's more or less when you see him go from, you know, one start on the DP World Tour or a couple of starts on DP World Tour, come back to the PGA Tour, struggle in his next event, and then after that, play well. Okay, so it's highly encouraging that he played well last week. Um, obviously, two missed cuts, not something we love there. And so recent form-wise, 44th best recent form rank. Okay, so obviously not really good there. Now, looking at his past 10 starts, we see three missed cuts mixed in there. The rest of them all top 30 finishes. Okay. Also has a victory in there. Eight starts ago. So I would say, yes, he is the second best play this week for sure, but he is not a safe play. Probably not someone we can play in cash. I'm going to say it's going to be the situation with everyone here from this point on. Like looking at it, I get why Chris Kirk is kind of priced up. Shouldn't be a 10K play. Isn't a 10K play. Coming in off of a miscut. Um, has good course history though. 7th, 25th, Miscut and miscut, which not great, but good enough. Uh, recent form-wise, prior to the miscut at the Waste Management Phoenix Open, third and third, okay? He is a top five stat fit and top 10 specialist in the field. So like you could end up on him, not a great play, probably a little bit overpriced. Like I mentioned with Billy Horschel, probably staying away from him, just given the swing changes. You know, if he wins with those swing changes that he's made, good for him. I just, I don't see it. I've seen him really grinding on courses lately, I just, and even, I think it was the Waste Management Phoenix Open where he, he got like really lucky to be in the position that he was to make the cut, just given some like fluky kind of shots. I think there was like an eagle and like a chip and birdie that like just typically aren't going to happen. So I don't want to say like an easy fade, but he is someone that I probably just can't end up on. Alex Noren, also an interesting price point play. Also someone we could potentially end up on course history wise, fifth, 46, 100th. So miscut recent form wise before the last two starts before the bogey on 18 to miss the cut the weights management Phoenix Open have been playing some good golf. Okay. What do we do with him? That's tough to say. Like GPP only play does have three top five finishes over his past eight starts. And as we look at like long-term form, these are his two cuts that he's missed, you know, seven out of nine. We can see like we, we could play him. And that's, that's the tough part about this week is that we have a lot of strong GPP plays. I would say Norn's a good GPP play. Shane Lowry, a good GPP play. Chris Kirk, maybe not the best GPP play, but we can see the top 10 upside there. And that's really what we're paying up for in this price point range. It seems like now I mentioned Ming, Wu Lee, where, you know, small sample size data-wise was coming in as the best stat rank play. He's not a terrible play. We just don't have that much data on him. How is he going to look on the PGA Tour? I just kind of mentioned with Shane Lowry, I don't like seeing those starts. I want to see at least one start over on the PGA Tour before I really go in on someone on in DFS. Just I, for some reason, it seems like they have a tough time getting acclimated to playing again on the PGA Tour and vice versa. Don't get me wrong. Now, to me, kind of the easy play here, I say this, I should say quotes, easy play is going to be Matt Kuchar. Um, has been someone that's just been playing some much better golf recently, has strong course history, or sorry, doesn't have any course history. So that would be the worry. And by course history, I mean the last four years, that's when the data is most significant. You know, if you look further back, it's kind of, I don't want to say it's irrelevant, but kind of is it, it doesn't really help that much it hurts more than it does help looking at key stat wise top 20 in the field recent form wise top five in the field okay eighth 32nd 79th which wasn't terrible seventh 70th so like his miscuts haven't been really terrible miscuts okay um 
and maybe he was on the bad end of the weather draw at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro. I, I didn't look into that. Could have been, you know, you never know. Um, but then prior to that, had been rattling off some good finishes. Obviously, specialist wise, top 10 in the field. Um, if we look at long term form and short term form in this field, ranks out top 15 in the field, long term form and top seven over the last five events. So, like, really just kind of a good enough play considering this price tag. Like, it really wouldn't be shocking to see Matt Kuchar be in contention. It's kind of crazy. Like, we were seeing a lot of these older guys kind of bounce back this year. Justin Rose, Jason Day, Matt Kuchar has had a much better season this year than he had last season. So, you know, it just wouldn't be shocking to see him potentially win. We do see he has a little bit of course, or I guess location ties. Born in Florida, in the Georgia area as well. Not really the same, but take that for what it's worth. Don't get me wrong. I like Aaron Wise. I think Denny McCarthy, though, is going to be a strong GPP play. Denny McCarthy is kind of a similar-ish play to Seb Straka winning. Uh, a little bit similar play to Matt Jones winning. Danny McCarthy has went 30th, third, miscut, and miscut over the past four years at this tournament. Obviously, we don't like that. We would want to see two made cuts in there, four straight made cuts, but still has shown upside at this tournament, is a top 10 specialist at this tournament as well. We can see the recent kind of upside. He is someone that in the fall swing, a lot of people were betting on him to win, didn't happen, and I just want to be shocking to see him kind of finally figure it out this week. He is someone that, if he can get hot with the putter, really separate himself from the field, uh, that'd be huge. Okay. So he is typically a cut maker as well. Overall coming in as a top five play in the nine to five mile, because he's a good specialist, because, you know, he has had some better starts at this tournament recently as a whole compared to the rest of the field is a typically strong kind of cut maker play stat rank top 40 in the field. Not the best there. Um, recent form rank top 12 in the field. So really just a strong play to me. And I should mention Aaron wise, just, he is coming in as a top five play as well. The issue with Aaron wise is clearly going to be these last two starts where he finished 67th and 79th with two missed cuts prior to that had been playing some good golf. Okay. And if you guys remember the biggest worry with kind of the restart to the 2023 season was how players were going to respond after having months off. And for Aaron wise, it seems like he has been struggling, you know, it had been playing Great in the fall, has been able to get it back. The question is, can he get it back? We'll see, obviously. I would say he's a terrible cash play, makes for a great GPP play. Top five specialists in the field, uh, 30th in course history rank, and that's with a miscut, 13th and 35th place finish, so not terrible there. Uh, key stat-wise, top 10 in the field, top 10 in recent form rank, and that kind of tells you the field that we have. Coming in off of two missed cuts, and guys, my data, especially when I'm looking at recent form rank, really prioritizes making the cut. Okay, that's why this is a data point I actually brought down. Last week, if you were look at the how DraftKings had their pricing done salary-wise and like ranked it out and then compare it to 95's model rank, the 95 data, and this was huge. This typically never happens, not this much. 16% better was the 95 data. So if you like took how they were ranked salary-wise and compared against how they finished and then did that with the 95 data as well, 16% better. <laughs> that was pretty crazy. And a majority of that though, guys, a majority of that literally came from the value tier and whatnot, like the players that were pretty much 95 was better at establishing which players were going to miss the cut. And that is typically true. That is how I design my data is to be better at predicting players that are going to both make the cut, but also miss the cut. Okay. We don't want to be on players that are going to miss the cut. Okay. So that's what I emphasize there. And so that's my long way of saying that while prioritizing that Aaron Wise is still coming in top five in recent form rank, which is pretty crazy. All right. So staying with the high tier, like you could make a build, I guess, with Kucher, with Denny McCarthy and with Thomas Deidre. And that's where I'm going with like the soft pricing. Like it is soft. Like we can make some really kind of strong builds on paper. And sure, we might not have the best confidence again, six for six across the cut line, but it still could be a profitable week. If we get five out of six, even four out of six with two top tens, 
Like, I don't mind that idea. Uh, looking at Thomas Dietrich, though, really tough to ignore him. Uh, top five staff fit, second best specialist in the field, best in recent form rank. And that's just because, once again, I kind of mentioned this. I prioritize make cuts. 14 straight make cuts in a row. Okay, just spectacular there. So it's no shock. And you might be worried, well, he doesn't have the best, like, upside finishes. He does. Okay, second, ninth, twelfth. And that's, you know, in the fall swing. So a little bit less relevant. But still, we can see why he's one of the better plays. The one issue that we have with Thomas Dietrich is what? No starts at this tournament over the past four years. That's going to be the biggest worry with Thomas Dietrich. I'm actually curious. I'm going to look this up real quick. I was wondering if it was going to like say that he was living in Florida. I'm curious if he is. Let me just check his Instagram real quick, see if he has an Instagram real quick. Given the fact that he went to the University of Illinois, I'm going to assume that no, he doesn't live in Florida. But a lot of these tour players will live in Florida uh, partially you know, but he could be someone that just lives on the road while he's over here on the PJ tour. Yeah, no, I'm not seeing anything on him. If anyone knows that by chance, by sh for sure, leave it in there for us. I think that that'd be interesting. That'd be another reason to like go in on him. Uh, but just coming in as a strong play, if he had the course history, we'd be loading up on him. I still think he's a fine play at nine K. That's such a cheap price tag. So the last two weeks, guys, what has been the easiest thing to do? Skip over this price point range, right? Uh, I'm not going to say that's going to be the exact approach to go with this week. We actually have some pretty strong plays this week in this price point range. So looking at it, you could easily start with Taylor Pendrith. Taylor Pendrith has made seven out of eight cuts on the PGA Tour now uh, this season. We can see a little bit of mixed results in there. Seventh place finish at the AT&T Pebble Beach Prime. Was able to make the cut the last two events. Uh, guys, look at this start. Like, I don't care about the miscut at the American Express where he shot eight under par. Like, I just don't care. Uh, 79th place finish there. Whatever. Uh, so we have seen some like starts in which are him barely making the cut and then also some upside starts, seventh and 15th in there. I kind of keep going back to this, but he kind of has the same feel of Matt Jones, Sepp Straka, where, you know, in any tournament other than this one probably won't go in on him. But if we look on paper, not a terrible play for trying to chase upside 25th place finish at this tournament last year, um, fourth best specialist in the field. So encouraging there. seventh best course history with only one start. So don't really care about that too much. Uh, 28th best staff fit so you know a little bit scary there you know i'd want it to be a little bit better but top 15 in recent form rank so not a terrible play there as well jt post and adams venson are both pretty decent plays as well obviously jt Poston has been a big letdown recently uh terrible play at the waste management finish open but if we look at it it was one bad start and if we want to break that down even further i would say that the miscut is literally due to the weather delay. He was plus two heading into a par five. Play got suspended until the next day. He had to play in those tougher scoring conditions then in the morning where it was extremely windy. Ends up bogeying the par five, which is a you know hole in which probably maybe, I don't want to say probably, could have birdied you know the previous day where the weather was a little bit more favorable. Ends up just choking that round away. You know, just wasn't into it. Then follows up the next round with a 70. Okay, uh, missed the cut at the Genesis Invitational. Not exactly a tournament that you would play JT Poston in, right? Uh, tougher scoring track, a little bit longer track. Uh, not exactly a good fit for him. Whereas this tournament, a little bit better of a fit for him. Top 15 specialists in the field. We can see he's made three out of four cuts at this tournament as well. Uh, that's going to be encouraging there. If we look back further, he had a sixth, three straight 21st place finishes. So like not a terrible play, but not exactly a play that we're going in on. Adams Fenson, I'm perfectly fine with. And guys, I'm not going to go through like every play here. I'm just, we're, the plays are good enough on the top end, and then we're going to really rattle off the plays at the, at the end of this video. But looking at Adams Fenson, I do think he's someone that we should kind of talk about a little bit more. Um, interesting play. 
interesting play. Ninth place finish at this tournament last year, and coincidentally, a ninth place finish in his last start at the Genesis Invitational. Waste Management Phoenix Open struggled, didn't make the cut. Terrible finish there, really. Uh, 87th the week before that, 41st, 37th, but had a victory at the RSM Classic. My biggest question is, is Adam Svensson someone that was potentially taking his foot off the pedal mentally for a little bit there? And then it's like, all right, let's get back into it. And I could see that potentially. And obviously, like, probably not the best tournaments for him to be playing in. This is going to be a much better tournament for him, I would say. Top 12 specialist, top 15 playing the nine to five mile. A, a decent price point play. All right. So now looking at Jonathan Vegas, going to be extremely difficult not to love as a play. I'm. The only worry would be that he becomes too chalk of a play. He's made the cut at this tournament the last four years. Obviously, we love that. 42nd, 30th, 27th, and 16th place finishes. Key stat-wise, you know, pretty strong as well. Like, for the key stats that we're looking at, there's going to be one alarming stat that we're looking at, and that's going to be 60th in bogey avoidance, and that, that is Jonathan Vegas. He is uh, someone that doesn't avoid bogeys, that's for sure. So that would be the worry, for sure. Uh, greens gained, just GERD pretty much, and ball striking, we were looking at that as well, as well as total driving in there. So I'm actually happy that this was <laughs> bogey voice just that's not surprising okay so yes if he if he's making bogeys like he typically does that's that's not a good thing but if he avoids them he's going to be a decent play uh recent form wise we can see 56th last week quality 23rd 25th and like okay ish starts mixed in there really only one bad start okay terrible make or miss cut there uh besides that we can see like form wise about 30th in the field or so not terrible. Um, once again, if we kind of use more of the cut making metrics that go into recent form, we can see top 18 in the field. So not terrible. Uh, 30th best specialist just across the board. We can see he is a strong play metrics wise. If we're just looking at the key like metrics that we're looking at in terms of predictability, we can see just a strong play. Most likely someone that's going to make the cut. Most likely someone that is too good of a play to pass up on, especially at this price tag like Thomas Dietrich. Uh, Jonathan Vegas, going to be tough plays not to like this week. And then from there, if we go ahead and look at a play like Adrian, who was, you know, value price point play that I kind of mentioned last week, is still going to be a strong play. The biggest worry with him was coming in, you know, off of only making starts on the DP tour and looking at his PGA tour starts, not exactly the best, you know, missed the cut at the Bermuda championship. You know, that's obviously the worry. So to me, it's highly encouraging to see a really strong play DP tour wise make the cut. And so do we feel comfortable going in on a player from the DP tour, you know, probably not like too much, but kind of considering the price tag, it is going to be difficult not to like him. And, you know, pulling in the data from the DP tour, uh, specialist wise, six best in the field. Now, sure, there might not be as big of a sample size going in there, but still you look at hard scoring tracks does really well there. Stat rank. Once again, this is mostly due to DP tour stats that we have coming in on this and you know, small sample size on the PGA tour. Top five stat rank. Once again, I just want to echo that's small sample size, but still encouraging that's not bad right we like to see that um and then top five recent form rank you know i in the nine to five model i do do a small sample size adjustment which to not get into like the details of it too much is pretty much just weighing the amount of data that we have going into it compared to the other players um with the equal kind of model rank that's coming in and just comparing it weighing it against that and he still ranks out as top 10 play Okay, so even with the small sample size adjustment that goes into the 95 mile, still ranking out as a strong play. We can kind of see why. You know, only like two alarming finishes. The only issue is that one of those was on the PGA Tour. Other than that, looking like a good play. So from there, like, I'm fine with any of these plays. Let's go ahead and drop into that low tier price point here. <laughs> I'm actually curious here. He could have been a decent play, Patrick Rogers, this week. After being a strange chalk cash play. 
Patrick Rogers was a GPP only play, but ended up being one of the highest owned players in cash. Made a lot of sense in GPPs, don't get me wrong. Terrible cash play. It was strange. Just given the recent form, guys, uh, just a reminder to this. You want to play guys in cash that have good recent form and have made cuts at the tournament. You don't want to chase someone in cash that's a risky made cut if they're chalky and not above like 6K. It was just strange to see him, you know, a risk reward based play be chalk in cash last week. Looking at Robbie Shelton. Robbie Shelton, to me, is a very interesting play this week as well. You know, just coming in as a decent play across the board, obviously made the cut in his last three starts, showing a couple of top 10 finishes mixed in there as well. He's a play that it just wouldn't be shocking to see in contention. And we have seen that already happen for him at this tournament. Two years ago, missed a cut. Three years ago, top 12 finish. So, you know, has shown upside to play well at this tournament. I just like the fact that we do have some upside finishes, top 20 uh, specialist rank, top 40 in course history rank, obviously miscut and top 12 finish, not going to be all too well. Recent form rank, top 25 in the field. And that's true for, you know, long-term and short-term form, uh, top 20 specialist, top 20 play in the nine to five model, just a decent GPP play. Obviously the lower we get, the more likely all these players are going to be GPP only plays. Looking at someone like Aaron Rye, I think he's going to be a strong price point play as well in terms of playing someone that has the potential to make a cut. Now, the biggest issue with Aaron Rye is that his recent finishes have not been elite. 29th, 42nd, and 52nd, those are not good finishes. We'd want a little bit more out of him, and I also don't love the fact that he has a 66th place finish here for his only start. Now, I do like the fact that in his only start here in the last four years, he was able to make the cut. So that's a good thing. Ranks out top 30 uh, in the 9-5 model, uh, top 20 specialist, top 15 stat rank could be much better recent form rank wise ranks out 30 30 in the field to me lee hodges is a <laughs> an interesting play uh you're you're playing him to get lucky 18th place finish last week before that no good starts but he does have a ninth place finish at this tournament take that for what it's worth i guess it does feel probably overpriced now i would feel much better about justin saw this week if it weren't for that freaking 18th pebble beach program where he withdrew with a shoulder injury which we have no idea if that was true or not or if he was just mad that he got the bad end of the weather wave he started out with like a forget what it was it was on the first hole par five i think pipes one down the fairway and then makes a triple bogey like it seems strange so it did seem like a legitimate injury but given the fact that he took off a week and then finished 40th last week like i think i like him as a play i mean i definitely would like him as a play if it weren't for that injury and that's really what's hindering him as a play is that withdrawal besides that we can see had been making a bunch of cuts and i would say probably going to be a great play this week you know top corn fairy tour player last year and we're getting him at this cheap price tag also someone that had been making a bunch of cuts on the pga tour now we get a field that's slightly i shouldn't say slightly better it is definitely way better than more of the corn fairy tour events but you know get a field that's more close to a corn fairy tour event than we've had you know recently at 7.6 he's definitely an intriguing price point play ryan palmer is kind of interesting to me as well as a play uh looking at him uh, three straight made cuts at this tournament, 70th, 17th, fourth, you know, good stuff there. Three out of his last four cuts made on the PGA tour, not great finishes, but still not a terrible play. Ranks out top 26 in the nine to five mile this week and okay price point play. It's ugly, but Padraig Harrington somewhat popping and I just don't even want to like play him. And this is going to be because of these DP tour starts. Okay. Um, has been playing well on the champions tour for what it's worth. Um, I don't like the fact that he's popping up. We look at his course history here, three straight made cuts or three straight missed cuts. So that's terrible, but for what it's worth, wanted to call it out. He was something that was popping. Isn't it crazy that Webb Simpson is this low and like we're not even considering him as a play? It's how far he has fallen. It's just crazy. So to me, kind of the standout play 
in this price point here, especially considering price tag, would be Adam Shank. Adam Shank has been someone I've been monitoring uh, a decent amount because he has been someone just get, considering the price tag has been someone like you could think about playing. And he is typically someone that's not going to be a terrible play. And I say that slightly because he was terrible at the American Express and the Houston Open. But besides that, you know, pretty good starts, especially considering the tournaments. So typically speaking, not someone that's going to be like hurting you too much. Like if you play him as a value play each and every week throughout the season, he's going to be someone that rewards you. Now, what will he do this week? We don't know. Okay. Course history wise, miscut last year, 36th, miscut and 34th. So mixed results. I guess if we get a made cut at this tournament, we can assume he's going to get a top 30 place finish. I would take that. Key stat wise, ranks out top 20 in the field, which is going to be the most encouraging thing. Not really someone that's going to hurt you too much. He's going to play some smart golf. It's just whether or not he can hit the shots is really what it comes down to. We can see recent form has been great. Four straight made cuts. Like to see that if we look at long-term form ranks out 32nd in the field if you look at the past 15 starts how we'd rank out there if you look at the past five starts ranks out top 10 in the field specialist rise top 20 in the field as well so a quality price point play i would say i kind of mentioned peter malnati as an interesting play um he, he is like 20th last week miscut the waste management finished open fourth 20th like had been producing some good stuff and like his miscuts weren't terrible miscuts either um it just wouldn't be shocking in this event to see him have a good week uh course history wise miscut miscut 36 so like okay not someone we love too much i thought mark Harbour would pop up a little bit more than he is but his form has just been terrible so probably someone we're ignoring i guess if he has a good start i guess it wouldn't be shocking we can definitely resort back to that course history 15 46 11th but not someone we're chasing now what do we do with aaron Baddeley. He was our boy. <laughs> he has been our boy this season, right? Um, 37th at 18 T Pebble Beach Prime. Missed a cut at the Farmers. You know, that sucked. Uh, other than that, though, 50th, 7th, 39th. Missed cut at the Macoba. Minus three, though. 6th and 36th. So he has had some good starts. Okay, recent form-wise, ranks out top 10 in the field. That is elite. Specialist-wise, terrible. Ranks out 100th in the field. He is someone that does play better on shorter tracks, struggles on hard-scoring tracks. What do we do with that? I don't really know. He's someone that's going to be my player pool, uh, not someone that's going to be a cash play, but you know, considering the price tag, definitely someone we can consider, just not someone we feel comfortable with. And so guys, each week I make the same mistake every single week, and it's just not playing enough of my favorite value plays in studs and duds builds every single week. And we see like the data back it up, like both cash wise, long-term wise, like if you were to play all your studs into a cash build and then filter in the top values, you can typically hit 50% of them. And if you the top players produce, you're most likely going to get five out of six and be sitting pretty. Last week was very much a week in which I'm kind of kicking myself for not doing more studs and duds builds. It was my best build with um, Adrian and Sam Ryder last week mixed in with not a single Max Homa Rom build, which is tough to do considering that Rom was my top play and Homa was my third best play. And there was a couple, but there's a couple of miscuts in there. That was painful. Okay. And so like each week I tell myself I'm going to do more and I just, I don't know, it's a mental hurdle, obviously. And this week it's not going to be pretty, but we get someone like Eric Cole, who is kind of looking like a good play. We can see recent form wise has been you know pretty good. Actually, we saw top 12 in the field recent form rank, which is pretty crazy, um, especially considering the price tag. We don't have that much data on him staff fit wise uh, ranks out 62nd in the field and like specialist wise, not that much data on him as well, but ranks out 20th in the field and specialist ranking. So considering the price tag, we could do much worse than Eric Cole. Like if he makes the cut, it's not going to be shocking. No one's going to be shocked by that. Uh, given how well he's played recently. Sadly, I might be able to just talk myself into some Michael Kim. I don't know if I want to or not. Um, probably not. Ranks out as someone 
that has a 53% chance to make the cut, so slightly favored to make a cut. Obviously, the lower we go down, the less pretty it's going to get. Um, you know, if we're playing him, we would be chasing these last three starts. Obviously, missed the cut at the American Express, still shot under par, not terrible. I mean, that was a 115th place finish, so it was terrible, but still shot under par. For what it's worth, Danny Lee ranks out um, 53rd in the 9-5 model, about a 53% chance to make the cut. Obviously, we don't like to start at the Genesis. Um, okay play. Andrew Novak, you know, he's been playing better recently as well. Uh, recent form rank ranks out top 40 in the field. Um, terrible specialist ranking out 94th in the field, but you know, ranks out 62nd in the 95 miles. So someone that could make the cut, obviously not a great play, but it just wouldn't be shocking to see him have a good week for what it's worth. Tyler Duncan did receive a price bump to 6.6. Um, yeah, I mean, that's probably right. 50, 51% chance to make the cut only ranks out 77th in the 95 mile. Like probably not playing him, but hopefully someone got rewarded by playing him last week. You know, Goya has made three straight cuts. We don't have that much data on him, um, but I guess it just won't be shocking to see him make the cut. And then lastly, here in this value tier range, Dylan Wu made the cut at this tournament last year, finishing 30th. Obviously, the form isn't going to be great, um, but five out of eight made cuts. Eh, just not terrible. Nice out of someone that's going to be right around a made cut or miss cut. Obviously, we don't love him as a play, but is someone we could potentially end up on. All right, so the core play section I, I struggle with uh, this week just, I don't know, because it's not pretty, obviously. At the same time, like just going through the process, we can kind of see that these are going to be the correct plays considering the price tag, considering everything we know about them and this tournament, right? We just never feel good about it. I never like, I never like to use the lock word or anything like that. And it, it feels wrong to call these guys core plays. Now I will be treating them as players I'm going out of my way to play. And I would say that's the best way to describe them this week. Uh, so Jonathan Vegas is going to be one of the core plays. So the biggest issue that I really have with Jonathan Vegas is that it's literally in tournaments in which it seems like he's the correct play in which he typically like hurts us. Like those are the tournaments in which he hurts us. Um, so Four straight make cuts of this tournament. Obviously, we like that. Heck, I would take a 42nd place finish from him. I wouldn't love it, but I would take it. I would take a make cut, uh, which was the start that he had last year at this tournament. Okay. Uh, key stat wise, ranks out pretty good in the field. You know, uh, top 10 in the field. Stat-wise, course history rank, top 10 in the field. Uh, recent form rank, top 20 in the field. And that really tells you the caliber of field that we have. Um, three straight make cuts. We like to see that. Um, just put him playing some good golf especially in 2023 like if you're looking up on like pga tour stats you're seeing them pop up in like strokes gain to green and whatnot overall top 12 playing in the field i already mentioned like the biggest concern that we have is him making too many bogeys, not avoiding the bogeys but considering the price tag 8.6 such a cheap price tag someone i'm going in on and so the biggest worry with thomas dietrich is going to be simply the fact that he doesn't have any starts here at this tournament besides that can be a pretty strong play across the board nothing too alarming like long-term form top four in the field short-term form top four in the field specialist wise second best specialist in the field top five playing the nine to five model just considering this price tag it's gonna be tough not to like thomas dietry um and it makes your roster construction much more simple so as you guys can see like the first two players are gonna be players that are coming in with good form um some players that you know we're just hoping continue that good form and so with that i probably will just be treating sun jam as a core play now i should warn you guys <laughs> Whenever Sunjay, there's been one player that's missed a cut as the top player in the 905 model. It's happened twice. Can you guess who it is? Yeah, it's Sunjay M. That's over the past two years. And it was at the Sony Open, I, I believe, both years. But it doesn't give me the warm and fuzzy feelings playing him this week, right? Um, going as the top player in the 905 model this week. Uh, he could miss the cut. Let's just be honest with it. Like coming in off of two bad weekend rounds, that's not encouraging to me. Okay. Did have that random kind of miscut at the Sony Open as well. That we just kind of wrote off with poor course history now he does have good course history here for the most part miscut last year eighth first 51st so like i will just 
take the price discount on Sunjay and roll with him. If he misses the cut, honestly, I'm okay with it because like I'm really playing him for his upside because if he makes the cut, I'm assuming he has his B plus game. And I say that because I think he can still get a top 15 place finish with his B plus game. If he plays like the normal Sun Jam, we should be getting a top 10 place finish, right? Like by far the best play in the field. Really strong play. I like him a lot. And don't get me wrong. I talked up these players right here a lot. Considering their price tag, they're all very strong plays, right? We can see that on paper. But for me, and I and I will admit, this is much more of a feeling-based play. And honestly, it's probably just given the fact that we don't have that big of a data sample size on him on the PGA Tour. So it's kind of the false positive reinforcement here, okay? But I, I just like the price tag. 8.3 is a cheap price tag. Like, honestly, if this were the DP Tour, he'd be priced at like 9.5. You'd be priced 11,000 more with the same players in the field, okay? This is a tournament that I think he will play well at. I like the fact that he had a start over here and made the cut last week as well. That's encouraging to me. So I will just be rolling with him. I think he's a strong price point play. And then lastly, I want to make this clear. Considering his price tag, he is someone I'm going to end up on more than probably the field. And that's why I'm going to tag him as a core play for this video. Now, obviously, I like the nine to five write-up, which is something I spend way too much time on. Um, he might not end up on as a core play in the player pool, nine to five player pool. That's available for nine to five members. If you guys want access to that, click the link in the description below. $10 a month gets you access to these tools, the nine to five lineup builder, the ownership leverage tool, which if I bring up the ownership leverage tool, it was 12% better than the field in terms of like ownership. So if you take how the players ranked out ownership leverage wise, once again, by how they finished and compare it to the top plays ranked or the top ownership plays from last week ranked and compare them against how they finished 12% better. That was huge last week and it was huge the week before that as well. Um, get your access to that as well. But that being said, like right now, Monday afternoon, my initial thought was Adam Shank is too cheap. And we can see data-wise top 20 play in the field. Now, maybe his ownership becomes too crazy to the point where I don't want to be in on him. But we can see when he's made the cut here, 36 place finishes. Like 36 and 30th. We like that. Two missed cuts, two made cuts. They were 30 around 30th place finishes. Key stat-wise, a little bit alarming there. Bogey avoidance, 66. You know, that's that's not what we want to see, but I'm actually curious. Let's go ahead and sort that by the field. Yeah, because we're not always getting a full sample size for everyone. Um, so 60th or so in the field, and this is on the season, is probably around 30th in the field, which not terrible. Obviously not something we love. We can see though top 20 specialists form has been solid as a whole, especially considering the field. Like I would say he has a strong chance to make the cut. If we pull up his make cut percent, about 67% chance to make the cut. So considering the price tag, you guys can see why I like him as a play. Now, ideally, if we get into the first look build here, ideally we would want to make this work, right? 6.2. Let's just take a quick gander here. I'm trying to say maybe Brian Gay. I could, uh, no. No, not Brian Gay. Yeah, no. <laughs> so I'm going to rebuild. Okay. And so with that, this is the tough part. Probably get off of Sanjay. And then we go with one of these players I think are going to be a standout play. Probably Matt Kuchar for now. 7.6 left over. Let's take a peek. Justin Suh, you guys heard me talk him up. I think he's a good play. Would probably be a, a core play to me this week if we weren't worried about the injury situation. But we are. So let's go ahead and plug this into the 9 to 5 lineup tool. Okay. So we can see on paper, this is a much worse build than we've had the past two weeks. Obviously the last two weeks, the fields were loaded, right? Uh, this week, not going to be the case and still has a pretty good, you know, six for 6% chance, but that's pretty good. Recent form average is terrible. I'd want to prioritize that probably the most, uh, but a decent play across the board. I do like the fact that they are good specialists, good stat fits. All right, that's going to be all for this video. It was a long video. I actually really enjoyed kind of doing the deep dive for this. Uh, hopefully, I didn't talk too much. It was a lot of fun. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed it. Let's have a good slate. And as always, guys, let's keep cashing.